Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Both of those games were hard on the ticker. The endings of both national semifinals in college football were hard on the ticker. As in heart palpitations. From the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, from Pasadena and New Orleans, I actually feel badly for those people who could not stay awake for, let's say, the second half of the Sugar Bowl. The second half didn't start until 11 o'clock Eastern time. And this is not to say that only Eastern time or Central time viewers or fans are the most important, the most critical. They should be kowtowed to, whatever that means. They should be elevated over the needs and the viewing habits of those in the mountain and Pacific time zones. And, of course, Washington from the Pacific Northwest was playing in the Sugar Bowl. So I understand why there are a lot of fans who are okay with the second half starting at 8 o'clock Pacific time. Right. The challenge is how do you balance? And by the time the Sugar Bowl was done and the dust is settling or the confetti is settling at the Superdome, it's nearly 1 a.m. Eastern time, nearly midnight in New Orleans, And even getting later on the West Coast. I understand it was the Rose Bowl that really made this necessary. So don't think that this was the choice of the networks. But remember, the Rose Bowl needed some concessions in order to get on board with the expanded college football playoff that kicks in next year. And for that reason... And because of the traditions, the granddaddy of them all, 110th Rose Bowl, with all the parade, the pageantry, the pomp, the circumstance, they've got plans that have been put in place for years and were unwilling and unrequired, (laughs) unwilling and Necessary for them to move, I guess, according to not just the Rose Bowl, but also according to the College Football Playoff Committee. And so it was a much later Sugar Bowl than what, and it it took a while too, much later Sugar Bowl second half than what maybe fit into 
that optimal viewing zone for fans that are on the right half of the country. But if you're still awake now, well, that's not your problem, is it? (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. This week, we're kicking off year 12 on a network that started January 1st, 2013. After Hours, while it did not have a name the first month, by month number two in 2013, so by February 2013, it did, in fact, have a name. For those of you who don't know, it was named after a contest. We asked listeners to submit their most creative and interesting and perfect names for the show. I think originally the submission was Amy Lawrence on After Hours or Amy Lawrence with After Hours, something like that. And we flipped it so that it became After Hours with Amy Lawrence. And we've never changed the name of the show, nor will we as long as uh, we're doing a show that is late night or early morning. For those people getting up super early in the morning and as the show morphs on, that will feature more and more of you. Well, there's a lot to get to. The college football national championship is set. It's number one versus number two. But each of these teams, number one Michigan, number two Washington, both undefeated, by the way, now both 14 and 0. They're each competing for their first title in the college football playoff. First time in the college football national championship game, again, in the era of the playoff for both Washington and Michigan. Michigan had been to three straight playoffs. Washington, I believe, making its second appearance. But neither one has ever had ever made it to the championship game before tonight. I hope that you enjoyed what you saw. If you're able to stay up and catch both these games, a doubleheader, uh, with the breaks and then with the longer halftimes for the performances of the, the two different bands, the marching bands, these halftimes take forever. And the commercials themselves do too. So yeah, you knew you were in for two pretty long games. But it's New Year's Day. What else do you have to do with your time? Maybe you were traveling. Maybe you're still traveling. I know we heard from a ton of people on Sunday night into Monday who said, hey, we're catching the show for the first time or the first time in a long time. I enjoyed hearing from the hundreds of you that weighed in to let us know where you were and how you were listening. And you all found us on Twitter A-Law Radio or our show Twitter, After Hours CBS, and then also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. I want to get to the Sugar Bowl first, and we will welcome Brandon Marcello from New Orleans coming up in, we'll say, 12 minutes from now. Covering the game for 24-7 sports. This was a tie game at the half. 21-21. Though something that was fairly clear right off the top. 
is that Texas had very few answers. I would say that's probably a conservative assessment. Almost no answers or maybe no answer, depending upon your perspective. The Longhorns had nothing to slow down Michael Penix. If you've never seen the Washington quarterback pick apart a defense, this was classic. Now, neither team played particularly well offensively, even though they did end up with three touchdowns apiece. But there were some glaring weaknesses, some big holes, if you will. So, for instance, they were combined one for eight on third down in the first half. Texas was able to run the ball. In fact, the Longhorns were already over 100 yards rushing and had three rushing TDs. That offensive line was having a field day in the first half, but Washington already had over 250 passing yards from Penix. One big mistake for Washington that allowed Texas to kind of find its footing and a little momentum In the second quarter, there was a botched punt by the Huskies early in the quarter, and it put Texas right outside the red zone. The Longhorns are able to grab that tying touchdown. And from that point on, at least through the rest of the first half, it felt like Texas was back on solid ground. Right, So I didn't love how the Longhorns played. Kind of sloppy, lack of discipline, a bunch of penalties, not taking good care of the football. Now, I don't know this for certain. They've obviously been practicing all the way through the break. But this is why some schools lament the long break. From the end of their conference championships, and both Texas and Washington were conference champs, from the end of the conference championship through these holiday seasons and then to the point at which you get the semifinals finally on the ground, it's been quite a layoff. It's been several weeks. Not quite a month, but pretty darn close. And it looked like Texas was wearing that. So yeah, didn't love the way that Texas took care of its business, but give credit to the Huskies. As I say, Michael Penix, if you've never seen him play, what stands out to me is not only can he throw rope, not only can he fire a bullet into tight coverage, but he can also loft a ball with precision and touch and accuracy and like a soft touch, if that makes sense. He's not always firing it so hard that it's bouncing off his receiver's hands. He can give his receiver's what they need and what they're looking for, and he can throw a ball various ways. It does generally tend to get where it's going, though. And he and Kalen DeBoer, the head coach of Washington, they've got quite a relationship. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. So it's a back and forth for quite a while, but really the story, especially in that second half, was that Penix continued to pick apart the Texas secondary. Snap to Penix. Play fake. Penix holds. Fires. Fastball caught. 
J-Mac, touchdown Washington. A fastball 19 yards right down the middle of the field. Jalen McMillan holds it in. What a beautiful catch by J-Mac, who was so clutch in the Pac-12 championship game with nine receptions. His fourth touchdown catch of the year, and the Huskies reclaim the lead at the Sugar Bowl. That is the call on Learfield IMG. So early in the third quarter, Washington takes advantage again of mental mistakes, a fumble by Texas right after that touchdown leads to a field goal and a 10-point lead for the Huskies. After another short drive by Texas, Washington able to add another field goal. Now, Texas had a second fumble there in the second half but was able to force a punt by Washington on that end. Still, though, getting into the late stages, well, eh, five minutes in, four minutes in to the fourth quarter, so still it's getting late early. Texas is now trailing by 13. And here's where you started to see a little more of the the versatility of Quinn Ewers, he didn't have a great success in the passing game. There were, it seemed like, entire drives where the wide receivers weren't involved. So, again, credit Washington, not known for its defense, but it felt as though this Texas offense was far too one-dimensional. Now, if it's not broke, don't fix it. They were able to run the ball, but once they got behind, they needed to start moving the ball more quickly, and they did that. As they get the ball back with about 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you start to see them now move it and complete some passes and find a little rhythm in that aspect of their offense. So just when you thought the game was done, just when you thought this one was in the bag for the Huskies, Texas finds a different gear. Ewers the snap, turns, looks, throws it for the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown, Texas. Adonai Mitchell pulls it down in the corner. A.D. spinning around to pull it down for a Longhorn touchdown. That's Craig Way on Learfield IMG with the Longhorns play-by-play. So midway through the fourth quarter, A.D. Mitchell, as they call him, Adonai Mitchell, hauls in that pass. And actually, he did a 360 before he caught that ball from Quinn Ewers. Talk about the mental focus, but also the control really to know where he was and also where the ball was coming from off the hands of his quarterback. So makes the game 34-28, and then the two teams exchange field goals again. And after that next field goal, the Longhorns force a three and out by Washington. Now this is where the question becomes, why not kneel down? Why not take a couple knees? Why not let the clock run to the absolute max? And even if you can't run the entire clock out, what are you doing? And so if you were watching the game while following social media, you know that there was an uproar over the way that Washington was handling the clock or not handling the clock with great management. And to continue to try to run the ball, even though that, I guess, theoretically could take time off the clock, Texas was using its timeouts. Now, there was that aspect as well. Maybe trying to get the Longhorns to burn their timeouts. And 
whenever the ball went back to Texas, Washington would know the Longhorns couldn't stop the clock. But ultimately, they didn't take as much time off the clock as they could have, and their running back got hurt. So Texas gets the ball back with inside of a minute to go, so about 50 seconds to go. And again, Quinn Ewers is able finally to spark the offense with some impressive pass plays. So he finds Jordan Whittington for 41 yards. He goes to Jaden Blue for 16 yards. And some really impressive plays by the receivers, too. Walking the tightrope, making sure their feet were in. But now they're inside the red zone. And they're going pass, pass, pass. Right? They're inside the red zone. And with an eye on the clock as much as possible, trying to preserve time. And unfortunately for the Longhorns, not able to find the right play, the right connection, even though they were there in the red zone. The most stressful play maybe in Washington Husky football history. Can the Dogs' defense get the stop on 4th and 11? Ewers takes a shotgun snap. He's back to pass. Pressure coming. Throws the fade. Yeah! yeah! We're going to the Elijah Jackson knocks the ball away. The Huskies are headed to Houston. <laughs> Cody, Husky Nation. Elijah Jackson knocks it away, and Washington is headed to Houston to play the Michigan Wolverines for their first national championship since 1991. Once again, the call there on Learfield IMG. So, yeah, Texas had the ball, had four shots to win the game from inside the red zone. But on fourth down, the ball is batted away by the Huskies' defense. A.D. Mitchell unable to come up with it in the end zone, and Washington prevails. And as much as Michael Penix was the star of the show in this game for the Huskies, 430 yards passing and two touchdowns through the air, He had to watch from the sidelines while the defense was facing an assault by Queen Ewers in Texas. Watching the last drive from the sideline, you know, it it was, you know, it was just believing, you know, um, Coach DeBoer, he always preached to us, you know, um, we're built for this moment, you know, and we believed it. And uh, no matter, you know, the uh, circumstances, you know, um, the adversity that we went through during that drive, you know, you know, I know everybody on the sideline continued to believe, you know, continued to believe in the defense that they were going to get that stop. They've done it all year. You know, you've seen it so many times uh, each and every week, you know, throughout the season, you know, them, them coming up with big-time stops and big-time moments. So um, it, we, it was just waiting for the play, and it was bound to happen. But um, just super blessed, and, you know, uh, we, we were all believing on the sidelines. Michael Penix certainly put on a show offensively with NFL scouts and general managers watching. He was able to make almost every throw that he tried. I mean, obviously a few did not connect, but Washington's passing game was in full tilt. Though Texas made it really interesting. As I say, hard on the ticker. What about the play calling in the final stages by Steve Sarkeesian? We'll hear from him coming up as well as Quinn Ewers. But congratulations to Washington 
as the Huskies in this last gasp of the Pac-12 as we know it could become the first Pac-12 team to win a college football playoff national championship. Though Michigan will have something to say about it. I think it's humorous that Jim Harbaugh still has the last laugh. (laughs) Now, we did get a call from, not a call, sorry, a message from our guest who has indicated that he would prefer to go in the final segment of the hour. Yeah, but we're running late now. So, oh, now he's changed his mind. So, producer Jay is going to pull his hair out. Uh, Producer Jay is back, by the way, from the holidays. We're going to have to tell Mr. Marcello that, unfortunately, we do not have enough time in the next segment, and he'll have to wait. I mean, uh, I'm glad your schedule changes on the fly, but we're kind of locked into a clock around here. So, on Twitter, A-Law Radio, Sugar Bowl and Rose Bowl in the books, and we've got ourselves one versus two in the national championship. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From tonight. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Viewers from the shotgun, Quinn with the snap, back to throw, looks, fires for the end zone, incomplete, and that's it. The ball game is over. He was going in the corner. Brad and I, Mitchell, Elijah Jackson had the coverage. He defended it, and Washington holds on to defeat Texas to win the All-State Sugar Bowl 37-31. to This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We used the Huskies' final call, decidedly more excited, really off the hook. That's the call from Craig Way, the Texas Longhorns version on Learfield IMG. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We'll hear more from the Washington perspective, repping the Pac-12 now in the college football playoff national championship a week from tonight. And there couldn't be a more fitting exit for 
a conference that many believe will be defunct. But even if it survives, it won't look anything like what we've expected it to or what we've seen of it for so long. It's a new era in reconstructing conferences. It's a new era when it comes to realignment. Uh, Is the Pac-12 still considered one of the power five? That's a question that doesn't have an answer yet. But for now, it's still the Pac-12, and Washington is into its first ever national title tilt, not tit. (laughs) That would be odd, and also not family-friendly, against Michigan at number one. So Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach of Texas, has his quarterback, Quinn Ewers, take multiple shots at the end zone through the air on those plays that were from the Washington 13, the 12, and all of them come up empty. Why those plays, Sark? It's a tricky situation in that you're out of timeouts, and so we have to be very careful that we don't complete a ball short of the goal line or pretty much the game's going to end at that point. So when you're forced to throw it into the end zone each time, it makes it difficult, especially when they're defending the end zone. Uh, so we were just trying to create some matchups um, with some different route combinations to, to create some one-on-ones and to give, uh, give our playmakers a chance to make a play. And um, we just weren't quite able to do it, you know. So that, that's the way it goes sometimes. We were just trying to... Take a shot at the end zone, um, obviously, because if you fall short, like you said, the game's going to be over. So, um, you know, I just was looking to give my guys an opportunity to go make a play at the end of the day. Um, you know, that's all you can really do. I understand the timing part of it. And honestly, had Washington done a little better with its own clock management, we're not really talking about what Texas did on those last few shots at the end zone. Now, for Texas, this is an opportunity, right, to build, to start this foundation and to use this as a springboard forward, right? So we've seen Texas kind of go around the mountain again and again and again. Different coaches, different cultures, one step forward, two steps back not able to sustain success and not able to find the right mix or the right combo of leadership. Will this be the group? Will this be the coach that sets the tone? That remains to be seen. I know Longhorns fans are hopeful. And Coach Sark seems to believe this is just the beginning. There's a belief in our style and what we do. And... And I think it showed this season. You know, there, there was a lot of games that came down to the wire for us this year. We found a way to win. And we put ourselves in position again tonight to, to, to have a chance to win the game. It just didn't happen. Uh, but I think that that just speaks to the, the mental toughness that these guys have, the resiliency, um, and also the, the, the connection that they have for one another. I couldn't be more proud of the way that we attacked this year because I know <clears> – <throat> Most of y'all didn't believe that we would be here right now. Oh. So, um, and we're going to continue to just focus on the opinions inside our four walls and uh, continue to build. Quinn Ewers with the old circle the wagons. But I do believe that they've got the right pieces in place. 
Again, there's been a lot of change, a lot of transition. Texas has been kind of wandering in a vast wasteland for a few years. Actually, it's been longer than people think. But Coach Sark seems to have them headed in the right direction, and along with Quinn Ewers as a sophomore. But this night belongs to Washington and Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix and the Huskies defense that bends but does not break in the final couple minutes. And straight ahead, we'll head to New Orleans and welcome National College Football Insider Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports, who is fresh off covering the Sugar Bowl. Glad to have you with us. Happy New Year to you. I still say it through the first two weeks of the year, but many of you probably didn't hear me last night. We are glad to keep you company as you inch your way forward into 2024. (laughs) Always the excitement level from... (laughs) from the best Stanley Cup celebration of all time. It never gets old. What's up, bitch? See what I'm saying? The great eight, Alexander Ovechkin. That's how you start 2024. We're the Stanley Cup champions! (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And since then, we've done nothing. (laughs) You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Takes a shotgun snap. Texas rushes four. Steps up in the pocket. Eludes. Fires a fastball. And it's knocked away. Bobbled and caught. Touchdown, Jalen Polk. Are you kidding me? Big play, JP. Huskies take a 20 to 14 lead. Snap to Penix. Play fake. Penix holds. Fires. Fastball caught. J Mac. Touchdown, Washington. A fastball 19 yards right down the middle of the field. Jalen McMillan holds it in. What a beautiful catch by J Mac. His fourth touchdown catch of the year, and the Huskies reclaim the lead at the Sugar Bowl. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. On Learfield IMG, a brilliant performance from Michael Penix, the quarterback for the Huskies, 29 of 38, 430 yards and a couple of touchdowns, and he was a headache for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. They really played on schedule all night, and that makes it difficult. The times we did get him into some third and longs, we had the ability to get off the field, um, but we just couldn't get him on the ground. You know, I thought there were some decent pressures in there. Uh, we just didn't get him on the ground. Yeah, elusive with 
an incredible touch and feel and accuracy and some zip on the ball when he needed to. Great rapport with his receivers and a great command of the Kalen DeBoer offense. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Washington headed to its first ever college football national championship. Pac-12 has a chance to win the title for the first time even before it breaks up and into pieces headed in all different directions. We are pleased to welcome Brandon Marcello from New Orleans covering the Sugar Bowl. Brandon, what makes Michael Penix so good? Because he's like that every single day. I was talking to Kalen DeBoer just a few minutes ago. He's still in the stadium, and we were discussing that. And I said, is this as dialed in as he's been? And he goes, no, he's like that every single day in practice. He says, I do think it helped that we were playing indoors today because that's where we practice indoors in Washington. But he said this is nothing new. He's the best quarterback in the country for a reason. What did you see from Texas in those final few seconds, maybe the final couple minutes, as Quinn Ewers maybe finds a little bit of a rhythm and they're able to put pressure on that Washington defense, but, but the play calling under fire. So what stands out to you? Well, to me, it was Washington's defense. And, I mean, listen, Texas had eight plays inside the 15-yard line in the final 90 seconds of the game and got three points out of it. And Washington's defense has something to do with that. They just step up in the big moments. They've been doing that all season. Nine of their 11 starters are juniors or seniors. They're upperclassmen. And, you know, they just stepped up once again. I know, I know we can discuss the play calling or whatever, but I'll say this. Washington was able to make Quinn Ewers hesitate a little bit, and it worked out in the end for the Huskies. Speaking of play calling, as much as Sark is answering those questions, there was a lot of uproar on social media and a reaction when Washington did not take a knee or try to run maximum time off the clock, the possession before. What did Coach DeBoer have to say about that? Well, I talked to Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, after the game, and he was saying, hey, we're just going to play our ball. Um, He was actually talking to me a little bit about how there needs to be a rule put in place that if you're an offensive team trying to run out the clock, and you have a player go down injured, they should still run a little bit of time off the clock. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's his take on it. But the, the fact of the matter is you're exactly right. They should have been trying to kneel the ball. I don't know why we're getting into this era here of college football coaches, Mario Cristobal at Miami, just not wanting and refusing to just kneel on the ball. But, hey, at least we got a heck of a finish out of it. Mm, Dylan Johnson did end up getting hurt. What do we know about his status? Yeah, apparently he went in for an x-ray after the game. Not exactly clear exactly what it's going to be. Kalen DeBoer says it was a re-aggravation of his right ankle injury. And then I saw him about 30 minutes ago walking to the team bus with a boot on his right leg. Um, That might actually be good news because at the end of the game he was on crutches. And at least he had the boot on and was actually putting pressure on that right ankle. So maybe some good news for the Huskies going into that national championship game. Brandon Marcello is with us in the wake of the Sugar Bowl, which Washington prevails over Texas, and he's in New Orleans. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Texas has been around the mountain a few times in these last uh, seven, eight, nine years. Um, What tells you that Steve Sarkeesian and this particular leadership for the Longhorns football team is the one that can take them back to the promised land, or at least back to relevancy? Well, I will say this. I mean, obviously they got there this year. They didn't get the end goal they wanted, but, you know, they got a lot of pieces are actually coming back next season. Quinn Ewers still has to make a decision, but it certainly looks like he's probably going to come back from talking to people around him. 
And then also it's just the recruiting. I know everybody, the joke has been Texas recruiting. They're always number five in the top five, but they never show it on the field. But the recruiting is a little bit different or Sarkeesian. And you saw it tonight in the trenches and at the receiver positions, but especially in the trenches. Washington, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, had trouble blocking the middle of the field there and trying to get Dylan Johnson some yardage. And that actually hurt Washington a little bit and gave Texas that opportunity in that window to come back in this game. So Texas, the recruiting along the offensive and defensive lines, that's what's really made them turn the corner under Steve Sarkeesian, and they continue to do that here in the latest recruiting classes as well. When Washington makes the jump to the Big Ten, uh, and not the only Pac-12 team, a handful of them, but when Washington makes that move, uh, just as a side note, can you imagine if they were the national champions and then they bolt to the Big Ten? That's just weird. But what changes for the Huskies when they make that move? Well, they're going to have to change things a little bit probably up front for themselves. But, you know, it's interesting. A week from now, we get a Big Ten season opener in a lot of ways. Uh, oh coaches were ju- coaches were kind of joking about that a little bit. Then there'll be a rematch in Seattle in October. So it's weird how college football <laughs> works out in this realignment era. But, um, you know, the Huskies are going to continue to re- recruit the West Coast against Oregon. That's going to be their primary uh, battle out there, really. But we'll see how they adjust. You know, the coaches talked a little bit about that this week, but they didn't sound like all that much like they're going to change their recruiting approach and, for that matter, really how they approach the transfer portal, which is they kind of pick and choose guys. They've brought in only 10 or less players from the transfer portal each of these last two years. Brandon, there's a lot of different opinions about the Pac-12 and what happens next. We know for now, anyway, they do plan on remaining a conference in 24. But what's your opinion about the best path forward? Well, maybe they can keep the branding name with Washington State and Oregon State and end up merging with the Mountain West. That certainly seems like what's going to end up happening within the next year or two. You know, I talked to Pac-12 Commissioner George Kalaskoff after the game on the field. And uh, he told me it's surreal to see this. And then he kind of took a shot at the schools leaving the Pac-12, saying if they were just patient and waited, they would have seen that we were building something special. Um, I guess it's easy to say that in hindsight, but the fact of the matter is the Pac-12 is <laughs> dissolving and, mm. and George Kalafkov is about to be out of a job. Hmm. Brandon Marcello is with us from New Orleans here on CBS Sports Radio. Well, I'll ask you the same question about Texas. What changes for the Longhorns when they move to the SEC? Well, I'll say this. Unlike Washington and Oregon and and USC and UCLA, they've had a little bit of a jump start to prepare for it because their announcement happened two years ago, and they've been preparing in the recruiting battles to go about changing their rosters and prepare for the SEC. And in particular, it goes back to what I said earlier about Texas. In the trenches, they've been bulking up there. In the trenches is where you win championships in the SEC. Look at Bama, look at Georgia, obviously, and Texas has been able to do that. I remember seeing Texas in person two years ago when they played Arkansas, a kind of a little bit of above-average Arkansas team, and they were absolutely dominated in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That team does not exist anymore. Texas has built things up the right way in the trenches, and I think they're very well-prepared and well-built to contend in the SEC starting next year. It's going to be really strange. The landscape will look so different. Do you think we ultimately move to a Power Four type of uh, a brain trust that's making decisions? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. We're moving that direction. I wonder, though, who will be the loudest voices in that room. <laughs> Certainly, it would probably be the two, the big two in my eyes, the Big Ten and the SEC. And, you know, I've been talking to people this week. I, I think people tend to forget this, but remember when this was all being talked about with Texas and OU joining the SEC, that there was some discussions about the SEC maybe doing their own playoff, their own postseason type of format? I mean, it's obvious that the SEC has been thinking about what the future of college football is going to look like and how they want to be the top dog and want to be well ahead of the curve there. And listen, there's going to be a lot of things that obviously I'm not saying the playoff is going to change here the next five years or anything like that, but it's very clear that the SEC and the Big Ten are trying to make moves to be the two biggest voices in that room, whatever it looks like when it comes to the Power Four. It, this year, uh, I guess 2022 season, or I'm sorry, 23 season, but 24 playoff. Uh, would you have been on board with the 12 in the playoff, or do you like what we saw? Yeah, I would have liked to see the 12. I've, I've always been a proponent for it. Um, but I will say this the format that's been presented, we would have seen Liberty in the playoff over Oklahoma. Um, because of them being that highest-ranked group of five team. And, boy, we saw what happened to Liberty Day against Oregon. Right. They would have faced – who would Liberty have faced t- today? They would have faced Florida State in Tallahassee. That would have been interesting. But, um, yeah, been great to see a 12-team playoff this year, especially with just so many great teams uh, out there. And, again, look at the national championship game. It's the two undefeated teams. Mm-hmm. And yet Florida State didn't get that opportunity. Before I let you go, Brandon, about 45 seconds, what's your initial thought about Michigan versus Washington? Well, again, I, to me, it's going to be who can make those big plays down the field. Washington is much more explosive. J.J. McCarthy's a little bit of an efficient quarterback. They've got Blake Corum. The thing for me, though, to watch is, is Dylan Johnson healthy. He's the X factor for Washington. He takes a lot of pressure off of them and if he's not healthy, that could change the complexion of this. I can see why Michigan is favored in this one, but don't count out Washington. I know that sounds silly to say. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying that. But goodness gracious, they have won 10 straight games by 10 points or less, Ooh. including eight straight games by one possession. Eight straight. That is unheard of in college football. That's not luck. That's no. not getting by by, the, the, by your teeth. That's just senior leadership a lot of upperclassmen, and amazing coaching. Kalen DeBoer has won more than 90% of his games as a head coach on all levels, all the way back to his NAIA days in Sioux Falls. Well, and certainly it prepares you for this stage when you're used to playing in a pressure cooker, which we've seen from Kalen DeBoer's team. All right, you can find Brandon Marcello on Twitter at B. Marcello, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-O, National College Football Reporter and Insider for 27, excuse me, 24-7 Sports from New Orleans. After the Sugar Bowl, great to connect with you, Brandon. Thank you so much for a couple of minutes. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Good to hear his perspective as he spoke with not just Kalen DeBoer, but the Pac-12 commissioner and was right there in the thick of it. If you haven't checked him out on Twitter, he's got some photos from the Sugar Bowl for 24-7 sports and the national championship to come a week from tonight. That's the first hour. We'll talk Michigan-Alabama next. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 